You know, having sensitive skin makes finding skincare products so difficult. It is. But today's sponsor, OneSkin, makes it easy. Their topical supplements are formulated with soothing ingredients and natural antioxidants. And they're gentle enough to use every day, even if you have sensitive skin. And it was founded by an all-female team of scientists. OneSkin's products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without all the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products. In a third-party 12-week clinical study performed by third-party research organization OS01 Face was clinically proven to strengthen the skin barrier, improve skin health markers, and diminish visible signs of aging. Like wrinkles were diminished in 87% of users. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company by focusing on the cellular aspects of aging one skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer get started today with 15 percent off using code tco at oneskin.co that's 15 percent off oneskin.co with code tco after your purchase they'll ask you where you heard about them please support the show and tell them we sent you it's more than just your output, more than a bike. When you hear your shout out, you know it's all right. Put on your magic pants and let's go. We're cruising into the power zone. Clip in, set yourself free. Come on and take a ride with me. You know what you need to know. What's it all about? Everything you need. It's all the clip out. Welcome to the Clip Out, episode 98. This is Crystal O'Keefe. And this is Tom O'Keefe. Welcome to the week in which we all became lawyers. <laughs> Isn't that the freaking truth? I think we should shoot our video today with me wearing uh, a graduation cap. <laughs> What's that called? It's got a name. A graduation cap? I don't know. With a tassel? It's got an official name. Does it? I think so. It's graduation. Everything has some fancy Latin name. Well, you're probably right. I'm sure somebody out there knows and they're saying, it's a blah, blah, blah. They're screaming it at their phone right now or their car or whatever. Wherever they are. Wherever they hear us, they're screaming at us. So, uh, yeah, a mortar board. You were right. It's a thing. I knew it had a name. So there. Problem solved. No need to email us. (laughs) So, uh crazy week yeah in the world of peloton Woo. lots of things to talk about yes uh i guess we should just start by asking what you have in store for people well i mean we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about the lawsuit and uh i have i have been told just this is breaking news breaking within the last hour i i have been told there has been an attorney located that will talk to us about this subject so we're going to talk about this tonight but hopefully i will be able to get this person on the show quickly so we can have like a follow-up and like real talk maybe we even do like a special episode yeah like like a 0.5 episode i would i would love that so just just so everybody knows that that is and i haven't even had a chance to tell you you haven't this is breaking news (laughs) for me okay so then we're going to talk about john foley is cheating on us us. We're going to talk about that. Uh, dirty we've, hooker. We've got... <laughs> 
I don't even. Oh God, Tom. Uh, <laughs> past guest updates. Uh, the newest Power Zone challenge. Uh, we've got we've got a visit from the Peloton Prophet, and it is all about the UK. So this is this is new. This is new news. Wait, do we, do we have a British prophet? No, we have a prophet that gets around. Oh. We and got a and second, not, we not got a like a dirty hook. whore. We got a second hooker. <laughs> no, 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 oh. no. Okay. <laughs> I thought maybe you had a profit on each side of the pond. No, but we, uh, I mean, there's a lot about the uh, the lawsuit that we're going to talk about. So yes. all of that. And of course, our amazing interview with Bill Luby. Awesome. Well, before we uh, get to all that, don't forget uh, shameless plugs. I'm telling myself to not forget them. Uh <laughs> You can find us in a myriad of places. Uh, Apple Podcasts, where you can go there, rate, review, subscribe. We have a new review. Yay! And this is such a packed episode. This times out well because it's one of the short ones. Oh, good. So uh, this is from Ryan PHX13579. His name is almost longer than his review. Is that uh, his leaderboard name or his iTunes name? It's his iTunes name. He he does not leave a leaderboard name. I was just curious if that was also his leaderboard name. And and if so, I was going to try to find him and ask if he ever gets shout outs. Because gotcha. I was really curious about that. Yeah. Carry on. So Ryan says, what an amazing Peloton podcast. Thank you for the great weekly Peloton podcast. Keep up the great work. Well, that was very nice. Absolutely. And we've talked about that before. Like some people are like, write these really long, you know, funny, interesting. And like people, I think sometimes feel a little intimidated. Don't. You can also leave a, a short, quick one. Absolutely. Like, you know, we, we really appreciate it. Thank you very much for the nice there review. are, you know, if you have a lot of activity, quickies are okay sometimes. <laughs> That's true. You don't want it to be your only no, thing. No, you don't. But the occasional quickie. Quite all right. Why not? Yes. Yeah. Totally. So uh, feel free to uh, to do that if you'd like. So uh, where else can you find us? Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. And of course, you can find us on the web throughout the week if you want to stay up to date on breaking news like Peloton getting sued. Oh my God, what's going to happen? Uh, you could do that at facebook.com slash the clip out. Well, if you're going to say what's going to happen, take that shit to the OPP. <laughs> so uh, there, I guess. That is all of that. Let's dig in, shall we? Sure. It's time for news of the Peloton. So as you 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 might not be aware of this crystal, but Peloton was sued this week. What? 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 <laughs> Yeah. I had no idea. I did not hear this. How did I miss this? Apparently somebody slipped in a puddle of smoothie. Uh-huh. And Broke a hip No <laughs> None of that is true No They're probably gonna have A full time guard Next to the smoothie counter Now though They will <laughs> Yeah Let's talk about that Shall we Okay So I think we just need To start with What we know What right. are facts Here are Here are facts This is not opinion These are actual facts So TMZ broke the news So We'll get we'll, I think we should come back to that Go okay. ahead Go ahead I, Oh I was gonna say Regardless of what you might think of TMZ's tactics Oh yeah 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 And presentation And there's a lot to question there mm -hmm. Their accuracy Is pretty good Sadly good Yeah Okay But I wanna circle back around TMZ If we have time Sure Okay so TMZ reported that The National Association of Publisher 
music something like sure. that I don't know in a PM something uh, they filed the lawsuit against Peloton for 150 million dollars uh, they, they they claim in the lawsuit yes I have read it so anybody out there thinks I'm making this up I'm not this is the actual lawsuit uh, they failed to obtain sync licenses also known as synchronization licenses for some of the songs that they play they have obtained them for other songs but not these and there are they included in, in Exhibit A, uh, a list of 1,000 songs uh, that were that they do not have sync licenses for. Interestingly enough, none of them were the Guns N' Roses song that <laughs> started all the brouhaha a few weeks ago. And uh, they had incredibly flashy language for included in the lawsuit. Like how so? Like what? Like- um, this is what I mean. It starts off. This is an action to recover more than 150 million dollars in damages from Peloton. Okay. Next, next sentence. Here's why. Yeah, that doesn't sound very legally. Colon. It's a central tenet of copyright law that statutory damages should be imposed on a willful infringer who either has actual knowledge of infringement or who acted in reckless disregard of its obligations under copyright right law. Peloton is a textbook willful infringer. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's very odd lawsuit language. Yeah, there's another one that really got me. Let me see if I can find it quickly. I thought it was really weird when they said duty head. That didn't seem appropriate. <laughs> this isn't far off. By by Peloton's own admission, music is at the center of the Ballyhooed Peloton experience. Yeah, that's that's some weird verbiage for a like uh-huh. it I mean, it reads more like a press release. Yeah, it okay, than a, it it sure does. And we're going to circle back around to that, but it's very important to remember this language as we get to our opinions in a little bit. Okay. I think people need to remember. I know you know this, but I'm saying this this is this is some of the evidence that right. we're using for this. Okay. So, first question, and now from anything from here on out, unless I say otherwise or Tom says otherwise, is an opinion. I just want to make that very clear. <laughs> uh, no one has told us anything from Peloton. We have not spoken with any member of the Peloton employment community. I feel like a magician. Have we met before this evening? <laughs> well, I just feel like I need to say that because totally. because this I don't I in sometimes, no way. <laughs> sometimes there's a misconception that we have some crazy yeah. direct pipeline. And we don't. And we certainly we have communicate with Peloton, absolutely. But, but not near, I think, to the degree that a lot of people probably think we do. No, and I would never bother them with something like this. Yeah, well, they got <laughs> a lawsuit they, to deal with. They can't talk about a lawsuit. Sure. So like nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the first question that I feel like people might think about, and I saw a million times the right. last few days, will they hold the IPO? Okay. And I think that they will. Like you think they'll still hold it in the same time frame or no, I'm saying the IPO will not occur. They'll put a pause on it. Yes. Okay. Yes. I think that uh, people suing them, uh, they know the IPO is out there. It's not a secret. And it's this is they're they're trying to leverage that for a quicker, faster, larger payday. And that's business. Like I like I don't even begrudge them that it wouldn't surprise me if this especially since they haven't announced an official date. It's real easy to just be like, eh, we're going to pump the brakes. Yeah. And, and I think I think that they have to. They have to think about their investors um, and the investors, you know, they're going to be looking for their seed money back as well as anything on top of that, you know, actual. And and how do you do that when you have one hundred and fifty million dollars hanging over your head? Right. I mean, even if even if somebody proved that Peloton did something wrong here, uh, I I think it would be a fraction of that that they would pay. Right. Um, Again, my opinion. But uh, anyway, so this is another question I saw a lot. Did Peloton just completely screw up and they need to fire their legal department? No. 
No. And here's, can I, may yes, I? May I yeah, so yeah. Peloton is new technology and it's using new technology in a very new way. And so there are a lot of complexities and it's not an easy world to navigate. For example, we've been trying to have this conversation on the show about music licensing because it keeps popping up in different permutations. It's been an issue for a while off and on. And so we've been trying to to reach out to people that I know through my profession and my previous profession in radio. And I've reached out to people from Slacker, like high up people from like Slacker, which is a audio delivery streaming service. I've reached out to people high up at Amazon music, former heads of record labels, a former iTunes executive, uh, an artist management company that handles bands like Shinedown, Metallica, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Every one of them has essentially said the same thing. I don't want to talk about this, and nobody at my company really wants to talk about it because we don't understand it. Like we, like, we don't know what the laws are because there aren't laws for it. And, and, and just to jump in, yes, music laws are very set in stone, but not really because, because the music laws that are there, as you have pointed out numerous times, are based on antiquated, right? Antiquated materials. Right. And so when, when, the laws don't work for the new technology. The really the only thing you can do if you can't come to agreement is one side sues the other side, and then the court's got to figure it out. Right, and so so no, and and the other thing, and this is where I I was going to go with this. No, Peloton didn't screw up because look at it logically. Like they treat their employees wonderfully. They treat their customers wonderfully. I know there's some of you out there. Peloton has changed. Blah blah blah. Yes, Peloton has changed, and you're not always going to get your way because. They have too many of us now. Like when right. it was a very small group and a, and a majority agreed on something, it was a lot easier right. for Peloton to move forward on that. Now, no one can agree on anything. If you don't believe me, take a look out at the OPP. And um, there is no majority anymore. It's an insane. It's like our government. It's just everywhere. <laughs> and so it but but logically, they did not just skip this. That was my point. I right. don't think that they are just a bunch of dumb people who got in a room and were just like, I know we're we're going to base this all on music, you know, but well, like, we don't got to pay anybody. Right. Yeah. Why would we do that? If nothing else, look at the fact that they did pay for some music licenses. I mean, right. The lawsuit says in it, they paid for some and right. not for others, <laughs> which they're trying to use as an example of willful disregard, which you could make that argument. You, but could. you can, which because they are, but you could also make the argument that it, that it kind of indicates that there's something else at play, because why would they pay? One group of people and not another group of people. Right. There's nothing special about this batch of songs that makes you think you don't need to pay for them. Exactly. And and you know I want to make really clear because uh, if if anyone doubts it, <laughs> I've had this twisted on me a couple yeah. times the last couple of days. Tom and I fully support that all artists should be paid for their work. Absolutely. Like Period. These, that is these, not up for discussion. These people deserve to be paid. It's just it's just a question of how much, how much, what are the metrics? How do you determine the, the true value of these songs in this context? They certainly have a value. And I would say an important value because part of what people love about Peloton is that you get to listen to real songs that you hear in other places, not just generic royalty free song so like it is absolutely a key component of of the product they're selling people and and so those artists 
Absolutely need to be paid Yes Absolutely Yes I just wanted to make that very clear Because it is important It is important to me as a person That people never misunderstand that uh, Yes I love Peloton But if they were just If they were willfully not paying people I would not be behind that right. I do not believe for one second That's what's happening here Yeah Well and and so then Then people are like Well then how How could this have happened And I think I think this is where you should walk through The entire theory That we've talked about We've talked about this several people at this point Right And Our theory is that they were negotiating with these people And again, theory mm-hmm. Our theory is they were negotiating with these camps And they couldn't reach An agreement that everybody liked And so this group decided to sue them To force their hand Which is something that happens all the time Absolutely. I mean, and to show you how complex it can be Sirius XM, they were recently Sued by a group of artists uh, Led by uh, the Turtles Happy Together They sued them for a bunch of money Because they said that they weren't calculating the royalties Properly for songs like Pre-1966 Or something like that and so And there's a fine example of Sirius XM their only job Is to play music for people mm-hmm. And and they screwed it up and, and they lost that lawsuit They had to write a very big check To artists like the Turtles and But but when people look and go Wow well, that's just dumb that they wouldn't know How to do that Sirius XM didn't Know how to do it either because it's a very Very convoluted process now the two processes are also Very different like you can't just say well this is What Sirius did so this is what Peloton did mm-hmm. Because Sirius doesn't have a video component Right, right. so so but yeah My theory and, and a lot of other People's theory seems to be that This is ultimately A negotiation tactic they're trying To create a PR nightmare for Peloton Leading up to their IPO in order to Force their hand so going back to The language that was written in the lawsuit Right I mean it's not it's not an accident I've never written I've never read Rather a lawsuit that is written With such like flashy language That sounds you'd never even read it And to you the first thing you said is it sounds Like a press release right because it was Designed to be a press release And do exactly what it Did which is cause Immediate panic Right and so everyone Freaked out and the more You freak out the the more You know the NAPM Is Cackling Yeah You know Absolutely And, and, from, and a, from a legal strategy standpoint Hat tip Yeah It worked Well and, and people <laughs> are saying A lot of people have said Well I'm so glad this happened Before the IPO Instead of after That wasn't an accident guys Yeah Like they They, they knew the IPO was coming It's been in the news Like right. it's, We've talked about it How many times Like right. this is not This This is This is just this is just their job Their job is to go out there And get money for the artists So you can't fault them for that You know I feel bad for Peloton Because in my mind I feel like Peloton Has been trying To work all this out Like there is no way They started back in 2012 And and since then They have just been like Ah oh, forget music No big deal Right Otherwise there would not be Artists that don't get played On the regular I mean there are artists That have never been played Taylor Swift Great example She, she I don't know the circumstances of it I just know we're not allowed to listen to it through Peloton. Right. It's never been a thing. So if they went through that kind of trouble for Taylor Swift, you're going to tell me they just ignored Drake and Rihanna? Right. No, they didn't, guys. They didn't. And I know a lot of you are listening and agree with me. It's just that the OPP has been so upsetting this week. I mean, oh, yeah. I'm very stressed. I don't blame you. It's just it's just so much stupidity. I can only I can only counter I can only contradict so much stupidity. <laughs> People just don't listen. Everybody thinks they know what they're talking about, and it's very frustrating. 
So, um, and I think I think it's no accident that TMZ heard about it either. There have been other oh, yeah. lawsuits that I have been aware of, and they TMZ didn't know about those, right? So, and this also has the sexy component of Drake and Lady Gaga are suing Peloton, and yeah. so it's also got a celebrity component that TMZ loves. It does, but I think that these people went and told TMZ. Oh, I, I, have I, no doubt. I don't think that that was an accident, and and it's uh, really upsetting that the guy who Talks on TMZ Harvey He's like Levin. Whatever yeah. yeah sure uh, The douchebag That does that um, He <laughs> Careful is, he's a lawyer Oh well The alleged <laughs> douchebag um, <laughs> It's just my opinion You they, can't get mad if, if he can sit there And say all these things About people They love the snarky banter they do That's what upsets me He's talking about How he took a Motown ride That day And and On Peloton And how much he loves Peloton And then his little Sidekick dude Is like Oh my god This is gonna crush them No it's not yeah. No it's not Like you guys You guys are just Amping everybody up Because yeah. that's what You want to do Lawsuits don't End companies typically. No they like, don't You reach in a settlement And then you move on like, Yeah because there's There's no proof At this point That either side's Done anything wrong Like I don't blame The people going after Peloton sure, For they, wanting their money Absolutely I don't bl- I don't blame Peloton For not having Quote unquote Their ducks in a row As people say I think they did I think they tried to fix it And it, it yeah, didn't get settled there, There's not a song store That you get to go to And pick out your songs And then now you have The rights and you can Use them in certain ways It's just not that simple Right and, and I think That you said it very well When you explained the whole lawsuit thing like it, it the the legal because the laws are based on this antiquated stuff because the lawmakers have not weighed in on on what should be happening with the new technology right then the only way to solve it there's no roadmap and so all you can all you can do is if people don't agree they sue each other right that's just i mean and it's and i know their law their lawsuit is written in a way to 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 make it sound to really be, bad To sound outraged But ultimately It's a bunch of really rich people Sitting in a room Trying to figure out If the other rich guy Is going to pay them The money that they want So they everybody So everybody can be a little richer Like And I I don't fault them that Like you know what I mean Like I like, But it's Lady Gaga's not going to Lose her house No You know Like, like this no. isn't like Like uh like they get like five and six cents per song or right. whatever. So this isn't making or breaking them. And this isn't like Sly Stone from Sly and the Family Stone, who was like literally living in a van because the record labels weren't paying him his royalties. No, he, he just got a check for five million dollars like three days ago. Like th- this isn't that either. No. And so um, but, 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 I, it, but I they need to be. Compensated. They absolutely do. And yeah. I also think the lawmakers need to step up here because because at some point, if I'm playing it to a room full of people, when does it go from being a party to I'm broadcasting and now they can come after me? Yeah. And, I mean, I don't I don't and, know where that line is. And there are rules about that, and a lot of it's gonna come down to are you making money? Or are you charging? Well, what admission? if it's on what if what if it's like there's music on in the background while we do a video? Like that counts. That, yeah, like, that we could, can't do that. Yeah, there were there was a, a lady that had a video uh, that she put on YouTube of like her kid. Doing something And a Prince song Just happened to be On the radio And the Prince camp Like had the video pulled Yeah So I, I think that there Needs to be less of that I think that's ridiculous Yeah Like if it just is Happenstance Because the video Wasn't like Watch my kid Dance to Prince Right It, it was, was just on While she was recording Right It just happened to be On the radio It could have been anything But I re- But even as I say that I realize that That's not that easy to do Like right. lawmakers Can't just be like Well let me go ahead And sit down With this little magic marker And make this all work I and, mean And these are people that like 
a lot of them don't even have don't know how, they barely know how to work their email. Yeah. And now you want them to write laws <laughs> that regulate how music licensing works through streaming platforms with on-demand opportunities for a fitness bike. Like there's just like there's no way they're going to they're going to be able to calculate all the different permutations that music is going to be used as we move forward with these different technologies. Well, they need to get those White House staffers in there and do some stuff. They're all <laughs> fresh out of college. <laughs> but uh you know, how will this affect Peloton? I, I really, I don't, I don't think much. I don't I, think much is going to change. I really don't think it will either. I think that they're going to, they're at, these people are going to sit around a conference table and they're going to pay lawyers eight hundred dollars an hour and they're and it's going to get hashed out because at the end of the day, both sides need each other. Both sides need each other. Peloton wants to play music that people are familiar with, and the people that write music. Want their music to be played in an environment in which they're receiving compensation, and so neither side has an incentive to to just say screw it. Like they're both fi- have huge financial reasons to come to a resolution. Now that might be six months from now, that might be six years from now, but I don't think this is going to end Peloton, and I nor do I think it's going to change Peloton in any greatly significant way. There might be a few songs that you don't hear for a while, but my guess is eventually they'll come to an agreement and those songs will be worked back in. This is just part of hardball negotiations. You're dealing with a multi-billion dollar company and you're dealing with songs that are worth billions of dollars, and those people both have really tough people who represent them to make sure their interests are protected and when you get to this level this is what a fist fight looks like and they're having one but at the end of the day the artists are going to get paid and peloton will still be around playing these songs doing this thing and if you want innovation in these in in this sort of thing this is really the only way to achieve it i mean and it actually might do everybody in the industry some good maybe if they get it settled maybe if they come to an actual agreement uh maybe then you know they'll well, have a template for the next thing yeah. that wants to incorporate music in some capacity uh, yeah yes because because it's not it's not just Peloton that is struggling with this. So absolutely, uh, yeah, I think that would be great that they could come to some kind of resolution and use it as a template. Yeah, and, and I I think that there's a high degree of probability. I mean, people forget Spotify got the crap suit out of them when they started streaming songs too. And if the people that are apoplectic right now and they're like Peloton's awful and should be run out of business for for doing this horrible thing to the artist, well then you wouldn't have Spotify, you wouldn't have Apple Music, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have there's lots of things you wouldn't have Pandora, there's lots of things that you wouldn't have and sometimes the only path to resolution is through the courts. I agree. Also, I thought that there was a post that was shared with me uh, from Christopher Sitter. Uh, I believe he posted on the OPP. We are going to take a picture of that and put it on the clip out group um, because it explains everything. Very similar kind of things to what we were talking about, but uh, I think it leads some cre- lends some credence to it that he's an information security director for Silicon Valley Company. Um, and he talks about like, here's what typically happens in these situations from a legal standpoint. So I thought it would be good to put out there in case you missed it because it's so hard to find everything on the OPP and there were like a million different posts about all this stuff this week. So I'm going to go ahead and put this out there again. It's Christopher Sitter um, and... uh, Thank you for putting this out there, Christopher Sitter, because I think it's very well written. We now return you to your 
regularly scheduled clip out episode already in progress. <laughs> so what's this about John Foley cheating on us? <laughs> yeah, so John Foley is going to have an interview with another podcast. What? I know. What? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought whenever he had an interview on our podcast, that was it for him. Yeah, I didn't know there was going to be more. I think we should contact our attorney, David Israelite, <laughs> and see if we can put the kibosh on this. <laughs> all in fun, John Foley. We we think you're amazing. Yes, and more importantly, all in fun, David Israelite. Please don't sue us. <laughs> I, I doubt he's listening to our podcast. You never know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yes, John Foley is going to be on NPR's How I Built This with. Guy Raz Guy Raz I'm not sure how to pronounce that Okay uh, It's going to be live It's going to be live from New York City And uh, it's going to be April 11th at 7pm And uh, they're going to talk about how he built Peloton Look at that Yeah Wish I could be there That would be amazing Just fly in for the day It would be nice It would <laughs> If we had that kind of juice But if anybody out there uh, can go You know anything you can tell me about it uh, I know that I can go listen to the podcast when they post it. Like, I get that. But it would be cool to, like, see the, like, know, like, maybe pictures from the event or how John Foley, you know, did he seem nervous? You know, details oh, like that. He get nervous about that stuff. I'm just saying anything they can provide might be fun to kind of have an on the scene reporter. Absolutely. It will be at the Tribeca, the BMCC Tribeca Performing Arts Center Theater One. New York, New York. One zero 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 seven. In case you want to write him a letter. Yeah. That's that's the venue I know We have a nice Past guest update We sure do I'm super excited about this I feel like we should have Like balloons And like You know Big banner Or something Well that's hard to do On an audio I know Driven thing That was like fireworks Oh I see I was Uh, like Your balloons sound weird Get this Robin Najenkin Posted this week She has been Two years Cancer free Awesome Not only is that Awesome for Everybody who ever Has cancer Like I mean That's just a great Statistic right, absolutely, right? Yeah. Um, But like 90 something percent of the recurrences for her type of cancer happen sure. in the first two years So it's like a major milestone It's major major Awesome So go congratulate Robin if you haven't already We're very happy for you There's a new uh, Power Zone challenge for people that dig that sort of stuff There is It's eight, week long, eight weeks long Started this week And it's called the Zone Wars Like it's based off Star Wars so Oh every, I see Like ev- Clone Wars But yes, Zone Wars Yes and every week there's fun posters that are put up Full of They're like memes Of of Dennis and Matt And all these like (laughs) Darth Vader And you know Whoever they are Right You know Mashed up as Star Wars Yeah It's pretty adorable actually Do they make Matt Wolpers An Ewok? I haven't seen an Ewok But I've seen some pretty cute Pictures (laughs) They're pretty adorable Not gonna lie The memes might be my favorite part Because I have new zones now And they hurt Ah. (laughs) (laughs) So I hope to see you out there The Peloton Prophet has uh, some new predictions for us Yes, yes, the Peloton Prophet does Okay, so this one is I'm going to call this our UK edition of the Peloton Prophet Okay Peloton Prophet predicts that that Peloton is looking for 32 instructors for the UK to be hired Throughout the year in 2020 Holy cow, that's that's a lot It is a lot I wonder if it's because of metric (laughs) No, it's because they're going to staff up everything at once So they've got, you know, yoga and and tread And of course the bike And they're going to do it all at once The interesting thing is The prophet heard there were four rooms So what's the fourth one? Hmm. Yeah I think that's where they store all the stolen music (laughs) 
<laughs> because it's all they got now. They got to steal all this British music, right? Are all the laws different. Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay, is how that works. Okay. And so now it's like it's going to be all sorts of British bands, like <laughs> the Stone Roses and <laughs> Lily the, Allen, the Smiths, stuff like that. The Smiths are English. I didn't know that. I don't know. Now I'm wondering if I'm wrong. <laughs> Let me Google it. Where are the Smiths from? Yeah, Manchester. I did not know that. Yeah. Well, thank you for. Clearing that up I'm just glad I was right My little pop culture encyclopedia That's what I do Okay well The Peloton is working The Peloton Prophet is working on finding out Who these instructors are uh, They have some ideas But um, they don't want to put anything out there just yet Okay uh, So more to come And uh, then The other thing is Peloton Prophet predicts that the current UK instructors Leanne and Ben Okay Will be at homecoming how about that? Mm-hmm. Then Aldis and Leanne Hin- Hainsby. You remember him because you look at him, you're like, he's Aldis. <laughs> <laughs> Your giggle tells me that I'm right. Well, you're not wrong. Uh, exactly. That's what right means. I know. <laughs> if you're looking to avoid carbs, it's always a challenge trying to find bread that fits in with your keto lifestyle. Right, because you want to make sure that it tastes good and you want to make sure it has good ingredients. So I think Hero Bread does both. Especially when you're in the store, you are overwhelmed with bread choices. Yes. And I've had other breads before that claim to have low net carbs and you are certainly sacrificing taste. Texture, size. Yes. None of that with Hero Bread. No, because sometimes on the ones that have the low net carbs, they have like no substance to it. It's like eating air. It is. And Hero Bread actually really tasted good and it felt like a solid piece of bread. Like I did not feel like I was giving up something. I was surprised at how big each slice of bread was. Here's the real test of a piece of bread. (laughs) I didn't make a sandwich with these. I just had toast. Which you love because you have toast almost every day. I do. It was the (laughs) best textured bread of this sort that I've ever had. And if you're doing the math, it's zero to one grams of net carbs, zero gram sugar and high in fiber. So don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use code TCO at checkout. That's TCO at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Man, there is nothing worse than when you buy a pair of sunglasses and then you lose or break them. I would agree. So what do we do about that? Well, that's where Gooder comes in. Their sunglasses are $25 each. So nobody likes to throw away $25, but it's a lot better than throwing away 100 or more dollars on a pair of broken sunglasses, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I have to say that's not my favorite part about Gooder. My favorite part about Gooder is that when I run, they don't slip, they don't bounce, and they're 100% polarized. Um, and they also come in like a million different colors and styles. For your $25, you're not sacrificing comfort, safety, or style. If you want to support the show and pick up a pair, Gooder is giving the Clip Out listeners free shipping on their first order. Just go to gooder.com slash TCO. That's G-O-O-D-R.com and use code TCO to get free shipping. Gooder offers a 30-day money-back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. Find your pair at gooder.com slash TCO and use code TCO to get free shipping. Checking in with the Peloton community. 
also uh, joining us today via Skype a phone is Bill Luby. Hey, Bill, how's it going? Yeah, I'm going great. Uh, glad to be here. Well, we'll see if we can fix that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can. <laughs> it's good that you have faith in us like that. <laughs> Tom's feeling feisty today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Bill, you know what I what I always start with is how did you find Peloton? How did I find Peloton? You know, I saw the commercial. I probably saw the first commercial they ever put out. And I was running Whoa. at the time. And I was healthy at the time. And I thought, wow, I love to be outdoors. It sounds really cool, but I never want to cycle in my, you know, my basement or that anything like that. And so, you know, life happened between them. I had some medical issues. I stopped running. I got melanoma. I didn't want to go outside because I had this kind of was in this vampire mode and my uh, melanoma surgery led to knee issues and then I had heart issues. And it's, I kind of given up on riding. I keep given up on exercise and I was in a very bad place to exercise for someone who had always been athletic. So finally, one day, I just kind of wandered into my uh, local uh, shopping mall, and there was the Peloton, and I walked in, and I knew even before I sat on the bike that I was going to buy it and take it home and love it. I'd never taken a spin <laughs> class, but I just knew that was the answer. I needed something. I really needed something to rescue me from, oh, my God, like suddenly I'm in my 50s, and, I'm, and I should be in, in better shape, and where am I going, and I don't want to become a couch potato. So it definitely helped kind of pull me into a much better place physically and mentally. Yeah, I, I bet it's. But like, if you if you didn't, it sounds like when you walked in there, you already you had a you had a mission when you walked into the Peloton and, you know, store. It, you know, I, I, it had been in the back of my head, and it was one of those things that the, the time wasn't right when I first saw the ad. I mean, I it looked perfect. I thought, you know, I'll have that five million dollar house in the middle of the woods and all that sort of stuff. And all you to, you know, set the bike down in the middle will make everything complete. For me, exercise has always been about getting outside and and having the exercise being a byproduct of something. Like I liked mountain biking, I liked hiking, I liked kayaking, and the fact that I was, you know, getting in shape was just, you know, that was. A, a positive byproduct. I didn't really, I wasn't someone who, I never belonged to a gym. I never wanted to, you know, get up and go and sweat, you know, for 38.4 minutes before I rushed off to work or that sort of thing. That just was never me. But, you know, life changes and you, and you rethink what's important and how you need to get what it is that you, you want out of life. Well, I, I think it's great that you did that. Starting your late 50s is like kind of, you, you crammed a lot before finals. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I had always been pretty athletic and I had run for about 30 years or so. And ironically, the reason I ran is because I wasn't very good at it. I'm a competitive by nature. So there was a lot of things I did when I was younger that I was very good at. And I thought the running was perfect because I never had just like, well, if I just practice a little harder, I can win this or win that. It's like, no, I'm doing this solely to go, you know, wander off and be Zen and have a blank mind and not have to worry about, you know, there was no, there was no virtual leaderboard that I was competing with. <laughs> and so that was, that was wonderful. And for, for, it was my meditation it was my outdoors meditation it was perfect. And then suddenly it was kind of taken away. And yeah. I was like, I need, I need to find a way, not only to, I, I need to find a way to get the Zen thing back in my life. I need to find a way to get my clothes to fit again. I need to find a way again to be healthier. And so all these things just kind of converged. And I knew that the, the Peloton was there. And I just, I, I, ironically, I just looked at it. And even before I got it, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to buy this, but I should just hop on just to see what it's like first. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of weird. Yeah. And like, couldn't talk me out of it. So my wife just looked at me like, okay, if you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so how long ago was that then? So this would have been June of, where are we, 2017, so a little more than a year and a half ago. All right. Yeah. And so so how, how long had you kind of taken an, an exercise break then? Like, where were you in that kind of mindset? How long had that been? 
So yeah, so it was 2014 when everything hit hit the fan for me physically. I, th- I think I think the, this melanoma and the surgery created a chain reaction of other issues with knees and whatever, and then I discovered the heart issue. So that was really about three years or so going from oh I'll find a way to tough it out to like finally getting out and like look. <laughs> You know, deciding so, how, you know, how seriously do I take from a lifestyle perspective this melanoma thing? It's like, should I, you know, never go out in the sun again? No, that's crazy, but there's no reason I should be running in the middle of the day either. So maybe I'll try and go out at sunrise or sunset. But it just, it just turned out not to be very uh, convenient. And then I was slower and fatter and less interested in what I was doing and trying to find other things that worked. And for three years, I kind of struggled. And I finally had given up about six months before I stumbled onto the Peloton. I had some knee surgery that was kind of partially successful. And then I thought, you know, got to find something else to do. Maybe I'll just keep forcing myself to do this running thing. But it wasn't fun anymore. And yeah. it just was not fun at all. And I always found running to be fun. Some people do it for other reasons. To me, it was fun. And then I was just, I took, it was less fun. And I kind of forced myself to get out. I was like, you know, this is just not the way it should be. I need something that's fun. Does your wife ride too, since you kind of brought the bike home? She did for a while. She's had some medical issues that have made it difficult for her to ride. So gotcha. she isn't right now. She likes the bike. So she's a supporter of the bike, other than the fact that it currently sits in our master bedroom, which uh, does not go over very well. But other than that, she's pro me getting exercise. So she's been very supportive and she would like to be able to bike if she can sort some things, some things out medically. So she's pro you getting exercise, just maybe not at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, exactly. Which is never a problem for me. She's had three cups of coffee before I even crawl out of bed. Oh, so is so? Are you keeping her up late at night then when you're riding the bike? No, Why does she my wife it? never sleeps, which which oh. makes it interesting. So she goes to bed later than me and gets up early. And I don't, you know, I get up. I, I'm West Coast, so I work related to stock markets. So I also work a lot of East Coast related hours too. But if I even if I roll out of bed at six fifteen in the morning, she's you know she's long gone. <laughs> so it's not an issue. And, I, and I'll never be on the four thirty five a.m. tribe. I don't know how they do it, but but God love them. I that's not that'll never be me. You know, maybe the two a.m. tribe if I'm still haven't gone to bed yet. But not the four thirty a.m. tribe. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Before we jump into kind of some other things, tell us about your leaderboard name and how you came up with it. Leaderboard name is Polonius Monk and. If you're a nice. jazz fan, <laughs> Thelonious Monk, famous jazz pianist, really interesting guy who who plays music that is a little bit out of the ordinary and always kind of had some what sounded like wrong notes in there just to keep people <laughs> guessing. Very innovative and creative. But, you know, ironically, I'm not really a huge jazz fan, but what I really wanted was a wine name because I'm, I'm more of a wine person and it just seemed like wine would fit well with a Peloton better than than music. And, of course, I probably got that one wrong. So I went through all these wine names and they were all taken or or, or I couldn't come up with anything interesting. And then finally, I had just given up. And then suddenly, Polonius Monk pops into my head. And I just got to backtrack quickly. A long time ago, I, I was carrying a melon around with me. And I joked with my wife, if I dropped it, it would land with a Polonius, a Melonius thunk, sorry. And she looked at me <laughs> like I just made the worst possible pun ever. And so for like years, I would try and pull out that pun every, just to get like a smile out of it. And it never happened. I thought, you know. Damn it, maybe there's someone in Peloton who will actually laugh if I pull out the name. So I decided it would be it. And there was actually a slight variation. And, and when I got my first shout out from Christine, I think it was like Pelotonius Monk. She said, Polonius Monk. And I thought, oh, that's better. I could get one of these syllables out of here and make it a little easier. <laughs> uh, unbeknownst to her, probably, she helped just kind of refine it and narrow it down a little, make it easier to pronounce. 
I've always wondered with Thelonious Monk because, like, yeah, like it sounds like does does is, does he know his piano sounds that way? And like, at what point was it like, oh no no no, I'm a genius visionary. It it's not that I suck. It's you're not getting it. Like I, I've never understood like where like, that like line how is. some people can do that. <laughs> well, how some people can kind of pull that off. You know, and it's a good question because the first couple of times I listened to it, I was kind of like, you know. It's interesting, but it's not really my thing. It, 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 some things like that kind of grow on you. You know, the first time yeah. you look at one of those abstract paintings, you're like, who are these people? And I could do that. And then eventually it may or may not grow on you. Right. Yeah. And and you also, regardless of whether or not it grows on you, you see that there's more structure to it than when oh, yeah. you first looked at it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's kind of like death metal. Yeah. I mean, it's like that, too. Like, it, I, I worked at a club where we booked a lot of death metal. I, and I didn't. But it's like, you, over time, like, you start to look like, notice the differences between, well, that's not really death metal. That's more black metal. And, like, <laughs> you know, just where, like, you know, two years prior, I'm like, no, it's just all Cookie Monster rock. And cookie Monster. Well, because all the singers sound like, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> All, they all, they all you really like need to push the envelope to be creative, but you know, every decade it gets harder and harder to find something new and innovative that's that's fun that just doesn't sound. Oh, they're just trying to be different for the sake of being different, and no one's ever going to listen to this or look at this or whatever the case may be. Totally, that's absolutely true. Well, and, yeah. and speaking of music, you know, I, I hear you're quite the music lover. So, what is what kind of music do you enjoy the most, and and why? <laughs> Gosh, this is an hour-long interview, but I'll try and keep it short. <laughs> my, my true love is actually classical music. I, I grew up in classic rock, and I love classic rock, and I had this massive vinyl collection when I was a kid, and that's, that's really, I guess, where my heart lies. But uh, when I lived in, I was a single person in the 20s in New York City, and just went to Carnegie Hall every night, just kind of, just the heck of it to kind of educate myself. And then just one day, I just... I just fell in love with it and became a passion, became a classical music freak. At the same time, I was also going to the jazz clubs, too, and so I really got into the jazz scene in New York. Of course, this was quite many years ago, but uh, yeah, classical just hooked, and for, for I just don't know many people that are into it that, that don't play the instrument. I can't even tune a guitar, so that may be why I appreciate it so much, but um, huge fan of classical music. Love uh, jazz that sounds like doesn't sound like someone isn't trying to be avant-garde for the sake of being avant-garde. <laughs> and somewhere somewhere between when disco began and the present, I lost track of music so that if I listened to the Grammy Awards, I wouldn't even recognize the name of one person on the stage anymore. So <laughs> I'm some sort of, you know, I'm totally an old fart in the, in the musical department. But at least with classical music, that it's cool because they're still playing stuff that's a couple hundred years old and no one bats an eyelash. You try that with rock and roll, it's just not going to work very well. And you might be the youngest guy at a classical music concert. Yeah, Sadly, that's, that's an issue. That's really yeah. an issue, at least in this country. In Europe, it's very different. But here, it's uh, it's definitely a dying genre. We were like, that's not classical music. But we went to see Bob Newhart. And I'm like, there aren't very many shows where I'm like the... Well, Crystal was with me, so I'm the second youngest person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that was one the of The guy them. in front of us is like, do you even remember Bob Newhart? And I'm like, I'm 48 years old. Like, it's not like... You know, it's not like I'm 15. Like he was, he had a hit TV show when I was like in my late teens or early mid to late teens. You know, but it was funny when you said the New York jazz scene. I'm like, is there another one? Yeah, it's all New York. <laughs> not really. You know, you, you figure there would be here in San Francisco. There's a minimal, but I guess there's some stuff in Chicago. But yeah, New York was was pretty much it. But I, I you know, in Europe, it's a again, it's a different story. They 
the music is a little different there. And it's amazing how many American jazz artists from the 40s, 50s, 60s really had to go to Europe just to make a living so they could be who they wanted to be and pay the bills. Yeah. So as a jazz aficionado, smooth jazz, what, what's your take? <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, smooth jazz, I kind of draw the line there. I really do. <laughs> the, the problem is anything I grew up that my parents ever listened to, whether it was on the radio or in the car or whatever, I just kind of, and of course they thought they were being cool listening to soft rock or smooth. To me, smooth jazz is the soft rock of, of jazz. So I, sure. I kind of have a... Uh, one of those tastes on my own, which is probably just me being some sort of, you know, condescending music snob or something. But gosh, can't wait till we talk about wine. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I love soft rock. Like, I listen to it all the time. Like, I, have a major, I have a major soft rock playlist that I've created on Spotify. It's pretty awesome. But at yeah, the same time, like... Death metal, there you go. Yeah, but at the same time, like, I know it's like... It's for not the, everybody's For thing. the most part, it's not at the upper echelon of... Artisanship You know what I mean But it's like I think a lot of it's For me is that My mom listened to that All the time When I was a kid At the time It didn't have a name But it was just You know That was like a really Popular kind of Sub format And so Like those songs Just stuck in my head So it's like Sometimes it's like Oh this is fun to listen to Yeah I, I totally get it. No, there's a lot of really good session session musicians that, that put together some really good. I mean, you could, you know, you could argue that Mozart is kind of like the soft rock of classical music or whatever. I'm sure people have had those debates. Probably not on the clip out, but you know, who knows? <laughs> it's funny though. It's like, yeah, I, I always feel like when you get into genres like that, there's like, if it's an artist, the average person knows, and the people that really love it are like. Yeah, that, nah, that's true. Yeah, that's know. true because you hear it all the time if it's something that you really enjoy. Right. And and it's really interesting that you said that you can't play an instrument and your theory is that's why you appreciate it because I am the exact opposite. I have I, I, I have no music ability at all, but I also can't appreciate music like I enjoy music, but I can't uh. pick out like different instruments that are being played and be like, wow, that's amazing. Look at him play that whatever and right. and i i don't know how to do that so it was just really interesting to hear you say that because that's always been my theory well because i i have no musical ability that's why i can't appreciate it but i also have no rhythm so i think there's something to be said about that <laughs> you and i are more alike than we think i guess <laughs> yeah it's i literally funny. bought a guitar I, I had a windfall playing highlight after my freshman year in college and i thought instead of working the summer i would buy a guitar and travel and um, my parents actually put up with that for some reason. I guess it was a lot of money that I won. Uh, so the that first thing I did is I bought a guitar. I was like, oh, I'm cool. I'm going to teach myself how to play a guitar. And like 20 years later, I literally had trouble tuning it. It's like, okay, is that music higher or lower than that? It's like, it's crazy. <laughs> and then I would, you know, but I would go to the symphony. And it's like, this is really cool. And I had no idea what they were doing technically. I guess yeah. maybe, I don't know, maybe it's like you go to a circus or a magic show or something and you can understand what they're doing. Maybe it loses some of their sex appeal. I have no idea. Or maybe you appreciate better the intricacies of how they pull it off I, I don't know interesting theory I think a lot of it's just kind of driven by your personality type because I, I think like yeah if you truly understand you can enjoy it on a different level but there's also people if they truly understand it does kind of ruin it for them so I think it's just depends just, on yeah. your headspace yeah it's it, it is very interesting because Tom's kiddo is super musically talented and I'm not and so he'll always like we'll go to his little his 
Concert Concerts Yes yeah. that's what I'm trying to think of and, and he'll always be like What was your favorite song what was, what was your least favorite song I'm like well the one that sounded like And eh, kind of made all these weird noises Didn't like that one But the one that was real smooth Liked that yeah, The one I, that I, had a melody Yeah <laughs> I have no one. way to describe any of it to him He's always kind of disappointed with my answers <laughs> <laughs> I have one classical music story That I think you'll find funny When I was in college I was uh, captain of the college bowl quiz team Not to brag and, uh, <laughs> I can't tell what you What a hobby much, Oh man <laughs> I was pulling down the okay. tail left and right, man, <laughs> captain of the college bowl quiz team. And so when we would compete, whenever they would ask a question about classical music, like none of us knew anything about classical music, not a thing. And so I came up with this theory for the team, the strategy, and I was like, whenever they start at musical, a classical music question, as soon as you know it's classical music, no matter what, buzz in immediately and as confidently as you can say Brahms and uh, <laughs> and they were like why and I'm like well we're gonna get it wrong no matter what right <laughs> if you buzz in and you say Beethoven or Mozart everybody's right. like like everybody knows Beethoven and Mozart like right. you know go after yourself but if you buzz in and say Brahms like even if you get it wrong, they're going to be like, damn, respect. that, that team knows they classical music. Like, they got it wrong, but, like, nobody just guesses Brahms. Like, that's <laughs> everybody's first thought is going to be Beethoven or Mozart. And so I'm like, go. so we'll psych them out by making them think we know about classical music, and they'll just think we know a ton of stuff. And did it work? Yeah, we did pretty good. The really funny part <laughs> was the time we buzzed in, and the answer was Brahms. We looked really badass. <laughs> Really bad As badass as someone can look When the answer is Brahms <laughs> Oh that's good Tom <laughs> So where were we? Well, so Bill tell us about <laughs> Tell us about Pelotunes Pelotunes You know I'm not even sure who started that I think it might have, might have been a Mike Fierro thing But <laughs> you know Gosh I guess a year and a half ago I felt like it was a small enough community That I could actually go on the OPP And I kind of knew who was doing what or whatever And then it got too big and too crowded and, and maybe not positive enough. And so people kind of like retreated to instructor tribes and then instructor tribes started getting too big. And then, you know, people started. Brand- so there's all these like sub tribes of sub tribes going everywhere. But a lot of us who initially met on the CDE tribe uh, with Christine have now uh, found ourselves in other sub tribes. And I can't remember someone that decided to get to uh, go into the Pelotons. And that I don't spend that much time on there today, although <laughs> This may or may not be funny, but some but the the, the new three thousand kilojoule output challenge for the month of uh, March, and immediately reminded me of the this is Spinal Tap movie when they lower the eighteen inch stone <laughs> tops and and hopefully someone out there is laughing who finds this funny or knows the movie reference. Oh, I know. Um, but so so yeah, I will periodically retreat to Pelotons to learn more about music or to throw up some obscure reference to classical or jazz music. Other people are thinking, who is this guy and why does he think we care about this? So <laughs> so yeah, or maybe some obscure rock and roll trivia from 1971 before I kind of lost interest in uh, in rock music. So. Yes, it's a place to be a dinosaur and hopefully not have arrows coming out of your back or something. That's always a good thing. Or Aerosmith. <laughs> there you go. Or me and my arrow by Harry Nielsen. Very Sorry. Good. Yeah. Well, I know Harry Nielsen because, well, I mean, he's great, but also because his career was launched by the monkeys. 
So Uh-oh. if it's attached to the monkeys, monkey yeah, yes. that's how he always knows that it's yeah. either the monkeys or a movie. Monkey. They, he owes his career to the monkeys. Like they bought his first song. He wrote the song Cuddly Toy that Davey sings. The famous story is they bought the song and then uh, Harry's manager turned to him and said, I guess you can quit the bank now. Because <laughs> he worked at a bank Like he was apparently Really good at computers But when nobody else was And so he was like Teaching them how to like Computerize bank records And like Even though he was making money In, in music It was not as much As he was making at the bank And when the monkeys Bought a record from him Or a song from him That was when he was Finally like Okay I guess I'll do this Instead of the bank That's great That's yeah. great You can quit the bank Now I can see how that would be Yeah That's awesome yeah. Good for him Of course yeah, if you'd totally. held on A couple years To the you know The rise of computers And IPOs You probably would have Cashed out twice as big But uh, Hey Probably had more fun Making music anyway Yeah Great and story maybe, maybe he wouldn't have Drank himself to death too uh, <laughs> You guys yeah. are just I know Little sunshine hey, givers Hey speaking of Drinking yourself to death <laughs> <laughs> What's this about you And I'm wine yeah. <laughs> You're Irish It's gonna get you yeah, eventually I'm Irish <laughs> So yeah, tell us about wine. (laughs) (laughs) So back in the day, I used to take a bunch of classes, mostly with Jennifer, uh, JSS, and Christine, and they would often make references to all these people that have wine in their in their name, and they kept saying like, "Someone should start like a group." And I kept thinking, "Well, some someone out there with initiative is eventually going to do it, so I'll just wait until they do it." And it got kind of annoying. So I thought, you know, one of the cool things about Peloton is that eventually I'm going to go to HRI or something and meet a bunch of these people. And it would be nice if I knew those people that had similar interests, whether it's my obscure music interest or my obscure wine interest or my obscure whatever interest. Wouldn't it be fun to get to know them in advance rather than to kind of like go around shaking hands trying to figure everybody out at a a big cocktail party? So finally, I decided that I should start something called Pelowinos. And I was going to make it sound something... I don't know. I wanted it to sound approachable. I didn't want it to sound snobbish. So that's why I came up with Pelo Winos rather than <laughs> Pelo Onophile or something crazy like that. <laughs> and it turned out to be pretty popular. I was shocked. <laughs> I, I, I think I might have advertised it once on the OPP. And, you know, over the last year or so, 3,500 people or so have found their way. We've had a couple of uh, a couple of meetups up in Napa, Sonoma. And I think there's going to be one in Texas and... I wasn't at HRI last year, but there was an HRI Pelowino event that I heard was uh, very cool and lots of fun. So uh, wow, that, that's, that's awesome. the story of Pelowino. And we never talk about cycling. It's so weird. I don't think anyone's ever asked a question about an instructor or a class of bike <laughs> or whatever. So there's never been a discussion of some of the groups that are instructor neutral. Really, I think it's kind of a healthy environment because no one has the vested interest in, oh, you can't say that about so-and-so or there's no pitting of people against each other. So, yeah, we're all uh, instructor agnostic, but for pro wine, whether you drink Pinot Grigio <laughs> or Zinfandel or anything, and whether you drink smooth wine or avant-garde wine or soft wine, we don't care. So it's it's a fun place. People just mostly post what they're drinking. You know, oh, I had a bottle of this sprayed or a couple times like I'm, I'm in a restaurant. Here's a restaurant list, you know up a snapshot what should i try or i'm traveling to spain you know which winery should i visit or you know anything like that so it's become a little bit of a travelogue a little bit about restaurant stuff there's a pillow foodies group that's kind of a almost like a sister group i think a lot of people are, are in both it's, it's been a lot of fun i've that's learned a lot too about wine yeah. there yeah i've never been much of a wine guy like i i know it's it will throw you for a loop with the last name like o'keefe i'm not much of a drinker um when it comes to drinking i'm like uh like crystal is with music where she's just like i don't really know all the different 
reference I just like a pretty song I'm the same way Like I don't really know a lot I just want it to taste like Kool-Aid <laughs> <laughs> I hear you Whatever's gonna taste As much like a melted popsicle As possible That's what I want And that'll get me liquored up <laughs> Two things drove me to wine One was too many dates Where they handed me a wine list And I thought I have no idea Should I Pretend that I have an idea Or should I learn something about this Between this date and the next date And finally I decided Maybe I should do something about that And then there's a There comes a point in your life When you realize Where tequila may have been my first love In my teens and 20s There's probably not a good idea For us to go through life Without such a close relationship And you ought to find something Like wine or beer That you can kind of have A more casual relationship with Yes, And not have to wonder What the hell happened last night Or last weekend or whatever So those two things uh, kind of eased me into the wine and beer thing and I think once I neared the end of my 20s I thought you know I need something where that if the Irishman in me you know pokes his head up I can live to tell uh, to tell the story and not have to have the stories told to me all I could think is when you were like oh I went on too many dates where I did, did they handed me a wine list and I'm like now what I'm like man you're going on some fancy dates <laughs> <laughs> Have I ever taken you somewhere where they have a like, wine list? <laughs> I was like, not everybody goes to a pool hall, Tom. <laughs> well, you said you enjoyed it. I, I did. I'm just saying that's not everybody's choice. But no, we've been to lots of restaurants where no, they've we done have. that. Yeah. But I but I still know we, what yeah. it means. No, that's true. I, actually actually I when do. he was talking, I was like, maybe we should start taking pictures and Get stuff to try <laughs> I grew up in New England But I went to college In California When I got there It's like everyone drinks wine Everyone visits wineries It's like I felt like I kind of had to Learn something About the local thing And so when everyone went out Everyone was like Okay so what should we Order for wine And I'm like, I have no idea I, I only drank beer Before I went to school Well That's what's your what Favorite kind of wine <laughs> What's my favorite wine? Yeah. Oh, my. It almost feels like a what's your favorite kid question. That's a <laughs> oh, really good you, question. If it's like, hang on. If it's like a what's your favorite kid question, then I think we all know you have an answer. You just can't say it. <laughs> but in this case, you can say it because the other wines won't need therapy. <laughs> well, I have no kids, which makes it easier on the kids if I answer this question, too. <laughs> That's good. Just the pressure is off. So I, I like, okay, For let me just throw out a couple things out there. I think most people will probably drink. Cabernet Sauvignon and Chardonnay because that's what they know and are exposed to and enjoy or think they enjoy. I'm really, I kind of like your obscure stuff. I like your obscure classical music and I like your obscure wine. So for me, a, a Riesling from Alsace, perfect Alsace, France. For me, a Mouved from Spain, I love it. And I and I and part of the reason I like it is that I can pull it out and I can serve it at a dinner table and someone will say, what the heck is this? Where does it come from? And then, you know, because we, we visited these places, my wife and I have traveled there and we can, you know, talk about them and talk a little bit about the wines and the culture. So we went to Greece and I fell in love with this wine called Assyrtico, which only grows in Santorini. Oh, well. So if you ever want to, uh, to have wine related travel, I can recommend Santorini and the local Assyrtico. Great wine. Impossible to pronounce. That's why you never see Greek wine here because no one can pronounce them. But the, there's lots of, great, lots of great wines made around the world that doesn't get shipped to the United States. And most people in the United States, particularly live in California like, like I do, tend to drink the local wines, which is, you know, it's unfortunate in some respects. But it's nice. Some people, they, they, they know what they like and they're comfortable with what they like. I'm always the guy. I want to, you know, hike over the next hill, see what's on the other side. I want to try the, the weird orange colored wine just to see what the heck it tastes like. You know, it's, it's the way I'm wired. It's just, it's just the way it works for me. And for me, which wine would most taste like a Capri Sun? <laughs> That's a really good question. 
I'll ask the Pelowinos for feedback. I have okay. no idea. That'd be good to know. You can add it to your recipe. There you go. There you go. But they're making, you know, they're making orange wines. There's a blue wine in Spain that's going to be imported, I think, maybe this year to the United States. Stuff is, uh, stuff is getting different. And, you know, having to fight with the, with the whole industry is having to innovate and come up with the rise of the whole cocktail industry. That's, that's, I don't know if it's taking over St. Louis the way it's taking over San Francisco, but San Francisco's always been a wine town. We have some pretty good beer here, too. But the cocktail scene is just so interesting and innovative that that wine is like okay so how are we going to compete with this i don't know what our scenes are yeah well if it's popular in san francisco that means we'll we'll figure it out in about four or five years yeah that sounds about right that's about how we work here (laughs) we'll test drive it for you and if it's any good you'll hear about if not we'll just have to suffer okay okay just stop most of us wearing acid wash jeans Well, good. They'll be there. I, well, I'll let you know because they're just about to become popular here. So yeah, that's what happens. Is we as soon as we give it up, then it but, becomes. Then you guys are like, oh, they stop wearing it. We it's can wear vintage. it again. <laughs> and they're, they're loving but, it. but you know, think about it. We've talked about music. We've talked about wine. We've talked. We just you know referenced clothing. I mean, it's all just one fashion or another, and you know, stuff goes in and out of fashion, and and it's all highly highly personal. And you know, hopefully, if you've spent enough time on Peloton, you don't. Take yourself seriously. It's like, okay, just do your thing. I'll drink the Capri Sun wine and the acid wash jeans and I'll listen to smooth jazz. And that's just me. And if you don't like it, you know, screw you. I've got my own thing down. That's right, Tom. You do you. If only you if I you. Still, still had enough hair for a mullet. That'd be nice. <laughs> no, Tom, I'm okay with that. <laughs> so I guess what advice do you have for people that are just now getting their bikes? First thing would be try all the instructors at least two or three times. And eventually you're going to naturally fall in love with a couple and you're first probably going to be really interested in the music and then you're going to be interested in the instructor. But in the long run, I would say that the thing that's going to keep you going on the bike and get you coming back after you have that sensory shirt and after you're, it's going to get harder and harder to PR is going to be the community and the friends you make. Uh, whether they're, they're virtual, as they're more likely to be, or whether you see any of them face-to-face. So find some sort of tribe, whether it's an instructor tribe or a tribe that, with a hobby or a profession, or, you know, there's oodles of them out there, or even just people, you know, follow people on the bike. Don't worry about, you know, feeling weird. Private message people if you start seeing them pop up just to say hello. One person, you know, I don't want to get too far, but this is, it's all about the community. Connect. And you'll find that six months from now, the reason you're riding is not because of the instructor or the music, but it's because of the people you're riding with because you want to celebrate their accomplishments. You want to make sure you ride with them for the 300th ride, or you want to make sure that they ride with you when you're celebrating. So it's going to ultimately be all about the community. The instructors are important, the music is important, but it's the people you ride with that's going to make this make this or break this for you. I think that's excellent advice, first I, of all. I do too. But I also, it, it brings me back to a question I thought of a while ago and it fell out of my brain and it came back. Since you do have kind of specific music taste do you you said obscure so do you have like a favorite instructor that that tends to from a music perspective tends to hit the musical interests that you prefer really nobody plays what i listen to so i just kind of do my own thing but what's really interesting is because i don't make an effort to follow what's popular modern music i'm learning a lot i'm actually learning a lot (laughs) about the music that i didn't i should have learned about in the 80s i'm learning about it 30 (laughs) years later 
<laughs> so I've been so found kind of it. Easy to go and like backfill all these musical blind spots in my life. It's like, oh yeah, this is what have happened if I'd like kept up with the punk scene. Kind of interesting, you know. So, so yeah, I mean, anything that you comes as close to hitting like some of the classical classical rock notes, and and Hannah actually does a good job of some of that stuff, and JJ and Christine and whatever. Generally, the older the rider, the closer. Excuse me, the older mm-hmm. instructor, the closer they are to overlapping. But no one really plays much um, classical other than you know an occasional thing here or there or gets into hardcore jazz so I, I just I enjoy the music and I like learning about new music that I don't know when I ride which is interesting so have you found anything that you wouldn't have heard otherwise that you've come to enjoy yeah well the problem is I've done most of my rides more than well more than 50% with Christine so I'm now becoming you know I'm now know everything I need to know about Susie and the Banshees or you know <laughs> whatever happened um, if I had been born 12 years later than I was so I'm now you know an expert on not an expert but I'm you know all the stuff in the 80s that I should have should have known about in the early 90s it's, it's, it's interesting because there's a times in your life where, you know, I went back to school for grad school in the 90s. So for a couple of years, I was kind of, you know, in tune with the music scene kind of during that time and before and after. But then I kind of like closeted myself back in my own corner of the classical and jazz world afterward. And, you know, sometime in the 80s, while I was discovering all the classical and jazz, I kind of I was living in New York. And, and I, I can't tell you how many times I walked by CBGBs where all like the whole punk revolution was born. And it, was, <laughs> it would have been a really cool thing to do. But I never I never was into it. And and, uh, you know, I, I just didn't hang out with that crowd. So I kind of missed that whole scene. But that would have been pretty cool, too. But I guess to go to the, the CBGBs and then go to, like, you know, the opera the next night would have been kind of a weird dual life. <laughs> yeah, it would have. That's true. You'd be surprised how many people do both, though. Especially for know, a mus- it, it is pretty amazing. Especially from a musician standpoint. Like, I, I think a lot of them, like, they play one style of music. And so it's like it's like your job. Like, when you clock out. You, you don't want to listen to something. You want to hear more of it. You want to hear something else. Right. And so, like a right. lot of those people that perform this really hard or tough music, like on their own time, they're listening to stuff that's totally different. I really liked your advice for newbies. Just going back to that real yeah. quick. In that, and well, one, I know that since we ask that question a lot, like it's it's hard. I think for people sometimes to like have something new to say. But I think that like you make a really valid point about so much about so much of what makes the bike sticky as they say in marketing terms, is mm-hmm. is that you start to develop relationships with other people in the community. So true. And so you almost kind of like kind of have to ride the bike if you want to keep talking to those people. Bless <laughs> <Unless> you, me. <laughs> I, I've often wondered a couple things. First, if I had never discovered Facebook, how much I would be riding relative to what I'm riding now. And I'm guessing it would be like maybe a third as much. And also I wonder about the people who have gotten injured or gone through various life things and they're no longer ride the bike for whatever reason. I wonder if they're still like engaged with all their friends they made on Peloton or if it feels kind of weird. It's like, you know, you go to the party and you're the only one who doesn't do whatever everyone else does anymore, whether they feel weird. I have a sense to probably still engage with the people they met and became friends with. I know taking some time off, it just, it just feels kind of weird to, you know, to get back into the scene and there's, you know, different faces and people disappear. And I kind of wonder, it's like, so what happened to all these Peloton people who were writing? Sometimes when I go in the archives, I'll take a ride from like 2015 or something. It's like kind of, let's do a where are they now, a document. So what happened to your fitness journey? You know, did it, did it is it still going or did you change your name or, yeah. or are you, are you running now or, or did your bike die and what happened? Yeah, that, that would be interesting because there's, especially because it's like, it's, since it's grown exponentially, it's. It's easy for people to fall through the cracks. Maybe we should find somebody who used to 
who used to be on Peloton who is no longer because they had something happen to them and hunt them down and ask them to be on the podcast. They probably feel guilty. They probably wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> well, you never know. It might be a way for them to reconnect with people if they haven't stayed connected. So. That is true. Yeah, but well, I know a lot of people are so you know addicted. Let's that you know for better probably good a choice of word as any but then something happens to them physically and they have to you know stay off the bike for three months and they miss the bike but you know at least they have their the support group and they can still whatever but what if you had to take a year off or two or what if for whatever reason yeah it's a it would be tough especially for those people who let's face it for some people it becomes you know the center of their social life as well yeah and we know we all know that our real life friends that we've said oh i'm sorry i've, I've got a meeting tomorrow or i have a conflict or honey i can't go on vacation uh until the following week you know all that stuff. well you just put a fear into me oh my god yeah. i was like oh wow i never thought of that happening that's terrible oh my gosh <laughs> i'm here to sprinkle evil ideas into yours and everyone else's head <laughs> well mission accomplished <laughs> so i guess before we go, where can people find you in the various tributaries of the interwebs? Well, in Facebook, I'm Polonius Monk or Bill Luby. I guess I'm Bluby. I'm only Polonius Monk on the uh, on the leaderboard. And Twitter or mostly on Twitter. I used to, used to tweet a lot uh, because I had a, a blog by the name. I'm Vix and more V-I-X-A-N-D-M-O-R-E, having to do more with my uh, work life. You'll, you'll find me on other social media, Zix and more, where there's anything to do with my the business side of what I do. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for taking time out of your day to join us. Yes, thank you so much. My pleasure. I enjoyed it. I hope you get to go enjoy some music and wine and have a wonderful evening. That sounds like a great combination. Thanks for the idea. <laughs> <laughs> he would have never thought of I food know, and music otherwise. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. We'll see you later. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, guys. No problem. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Here's today's recipe for success. So does uh, Bill have a recipe for us? He does. Uh, he has a, you know, remember, you know, Bill is all about, as we just heard, about fine wines and nice things. So he gave us a fancy recipe, Tom. Okay. It is pan-seared sea scallops. Okay. Okay. So you need sea scallops. Well, clearly. Unsalted butter, <laughs> olive oil, kosher salt, and freshly ground pepper. I'm going to include all the, the preparation out on our website. But I want to let you know that he included a wine pairing. I'm just going to put all this out there. He gave us some nice wine pairings. And then uh, he says the five keys to success in this simple but elegant recipe are mix the butter and olive oil. Pat the scallops as dry as possible prior to searing. Okay. Wait for the few first wisps of smoke before putting the scallops in the pan. Do not touch the scallops when they are in the pan except for flipping. Finding the middle ground between Golden brown and not overcooked. Like a french fry. <laughs> Only you, Tom. <laughs> you got to put it in language I understand. Yes, like, like a french fry. Like a french fry. Like a french fry it is. And remember, when pairing your wines, make sure that they're Bluetooth compatible. <laughs> so all that will be on our website at theclipout.com or at facebook.com slash theclipout. So uh, what, pray tell, do you have in store for people next week? Lisa Goldman Lisa Goldman Quite a journey You guys are going to want to tune into this Awesome And so uh, And then of course Whatever new lawsuits are Yeah you never know now and then, I'm sure they'll <laughs> You never know People with Peloton We'll probably li- have ones stacked against us Yeah the people with Peloton If they're listening They're like please Please stop Stop talking This isn't funny For us 
Please cut it out. We don't like you as much anymore. I don't feel like they're listening to anything media driven this week. <laughs> they just need a moment. They to need decompress. a blackout. Yeah. Nah, so, they're not worried. They've got this. Nah. So, uh, so that's what people have to look forward to next week. Until then, where can they find you? People can find me at facebook.com slash Crystal D. O'Keefe. They can find me on Twitter, Instagram, on the bike, and of course the tread at Clipout Crystal. And you can find me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. You can find the show online at theclipout.com or at facebook.com slash theclipout. While you're there, like the page, join the group, and stay up to date on things all throughout the week. So uh, that's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, keep pedaling. And running. Set yourself free. Come on.